Young women have been growing up with an indoctrination of what womanhood is and what it should be. They've been taught everything that is in direct opposition to the Word of God. Young women who want to be different from the world are rare, but they are real. On this Rare But Real podcast, Audrey Brogy will often be joined by her daughter, Grace Anna, and her daughters-in-law, Maureen, Kesset, and Marilyn, who desire to be discerning in a day when everything seems to go against God's design. Join them in the journey of becoming rare but real. It takes courage and conviction. And now, Audrey Brogy. Hey there. I am so thankful that you're joining me for this episode of the Rare But Real podcast. And today I want to talk about a phrase that I have used since I don't know when called Obey What You Know. And a number of years ago when Grace Anna was interviewing me, in fact, it was a podcast we played on this um on the Rare But Real podcast, um, she asked me about that phrase because she heard it so much when she was growing up. And of course, for me, it stems from the verse in John chapter 14, verse 21, um, where the scripture says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him and will disclose myself to him. I love that verse. It's in the context of Jesus talking to his disciples and assuring them before he is to go to the cross. And he's telling them all kinds of things. But that particular verse really stood out to me at some point in my Christian life because I loved it. Thinking, about obedience, just obeying the Lord and being struck with the fact that I have God's commandments. I have the word of God and I don't know everything, but I know some things and I need to obey what I know. And then the more I obey the Lord, number one, it shows that I love him. But number two, then the more I obey him, the more he reveals himself to me, the more he shows himself to me through his word. And I just, I don't know, it just struck me. And so after that, I started using the phrase, obey what you know, even telling myself, Audrey, obey what you know. You don't know everything, but you know some things. Obey what you do know. And God shows more of himself to you, to me. And I wanted the Lord to disclose himself to me. And so I kind of went on a journey that began. I remember one Sunday when Carl and I were, we were newly married. You know, it was in the first year, I think, of our marriage. And um, on a particular Sunday, we um, heard one of the late men in the church bring the Sunday message because the pastor was away that Sunday. But I've never forgotten it because he taught from Psalm 1. In fact, he taught not from Psalm 1, he taught Psalm 1. And of course, for those of you who know me, you know that that's a passage that I have memorized, that I've taught children to memorize, and that I just love. And it goes like this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I remember being struck with this from that 
uh, chapter, when we delight in the law of the Lord, when we meditate on his word day and night, we will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And I love that because it sheds, it's the scripture says when we delight, do I delight? I remember asking myself the question, do I delight in the law of the Lord? Do I delight in his word? And I wanted to be a person who delighted in it. And not only that, but meditated on his word day and night. And of course, that doesn't mean we're walking around with the our Bible in our hand and constantly reading it every moment of the day. But it does mean that we're thinking about it, that we're asking the Lord for his ways, for his wisdom. And as we spend time in the word and as we uh, learn his word, he has the freedom to bring it to our minds and to help us and give us wisdom in the decisions that we make every day. And of course, the result of this, the scripture says, will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Well, what is a tree firmly planted by streams of water like? Uh, Well, the obvious answer is that it is continually nourished. It yields its fruit in its season. Excuse me. Its leaf does not wither and it prospers. And of course, he gives a contrast in this chapter that the wicked aren't like this. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. And of course, I didn't want to be like the chaff that the wind drives away. I wanted to be one of those people who was firmly planted by streams of water, who delighted in the laws of God, who thought about his word as I, you know, as I walk in my house, as I get up in the morning, as I go throughout the day, as I go to bed at night, I wanted to be a person who yielded fruit in whatever season of life I was in, and that my leaf wouldn't wither, and that in whatever I would do, I would prosper, not necessarily material prospering, but that my soul would prosper. So, you know, and and, and as a result of that, it kind of took me on a journey. I remember um, having a newfound joy in my heart um, to read and study the Word of God. And of course, I learned on my journey that it requires great discipline and the stripping away of other things in my life. I also learned that it was so totally worth it. Because really, y'all, there's nothing else that will feed our souls like the truth of God's Word. When we have doubts, God's Word gives us assurance. When we're lonely, God's Word gives us friendship. When we are discouraged, God's Word brings encouragement to our hearts. When we're confused about what decisions we should make or just about anything in life, it's God's Word that provides the wisdom we we need in this life. When we feel like giving up, God's Word gives us the strength to press on, to keep going, and not to grow weary in well-doing. When we're disillusioned, it is God's Word word that brings perspective to our minds and to our hearts. And so with those thoughts, is it any wonder that the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, would want to keep us away from this book? Because, you know, he knows that the word of God reveals the very heart of God. He knows that it's through the word of God that we get to know him. That's why he cast a doubt on the word of God right way back in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? He, he wants us to keep us away from God's word and he wants us to doubt God's word. But we need to be the kind of people whose hearts not only want to open up God's word, but we want should be people, if we belong to him, to, that we would want to be used of God to inspire and motivate others to get into God's word for themselves. You know, Isaiah tells us that the word of the Lord abides forever. Peter quotes this in his epistle when he tells us that we are born again through the living and abiding word of God. And he makes no apologies about preaching the word of the Lord. You know, in second Peter, the scripture tells us that, er, that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And how 
itself is through the knowledge of God. In chapter 1, um, verses 2 to 3, he says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I mean, think about that. Think about how, you know, that that of what God says, that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. And this these verses tell us that he's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And how has he done that? Through the true knowledge of Christ. And then he says this, for by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So personally speaking, God has given me precious, his precious and magnificent promises, and they are found in his word. He gives those precious and magnificent promises to me. Why? So that I might become a partaker of the divine nature. And of course, who is it that has this divine nature? It's God. And I can partake of his divine nature through his precious promises. But I began to realize early on when I was a young woman that I really didn't know his promises. And, and I started thinking, why didn't I know his promises? Why didn't I know more of God? And I realized that it's because I, I really didn't know his word. And one of the reasons I would be confused about so many things in my life is I really didn't know his word. And so I wanted to know his word. I, I, I just wanted to know him. And, and so I started thinking, well, how can I know God? And, and it's through his word. God tells me how I can know him. I can know him through his word. Paul tells me in Colossians three, that I'm to let the word of Christ richly dwell within me. And I had to ask myself, does God's word richly dwell within me? Or is it just the messages of the world? Is it just worldliness that, that richly dwells within me? And of course, Peter exhorts me like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word that by it, you may grow in respect of salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so I had to ask myself, do I long for God's word like a newborn babe? Do I long for it? You know, have I really tasted the kindness of the Lord? Because if I have tasted the kindness of the Lord, then I will long for the pure milk of the word so that I could grow. And of course, you know, it begs the question, why is this so important? Why should I let the word of Christ richly dwell within me? Why should I long for the word of God? And of course, the Bible tells me the answer to that too, right there in these verses that I may grow in respect to salvation. And how do I grow? By knowing and obeying God's word. Knowledge without obedience means very little. And I know in the day we live, Christians so often place very little stock on obedience, but it's so important. Because it's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's quite another thing to do what the Bible says. God's word calls me to obedience. And that is, is so incredibly important because obeying God goes hand in hand with knowing God. James says this in his little book, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And of course, what James is telling us in that in, in that passage is that if we listen to God's word, if we read God's word, 
if we gain knowledge, you know, if we learn his word, but we don't obey it, we're just deluding ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. We think we're fine because we go to church. We come to, you know, Bible studies. We know about God. We read the Bible. We gain knowledge and we think we're okay. But James goes even further when he says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So James is telling me that if I listen to the word and I don't obey it, then I'm like the person who looks at himself in the mirror, sees the problem, but doesn't do anything to fix the problem. Now think about this. I'm a woman, and those of you listening to this podcast, you're women, and we know we all like to look into the mirror. We check our lipstick, if you're a lipstick gal, but we check our hair, and if we see a problem, we try to fix it. And I remember a long time ago when I was in a prayer meeting with some women at my church, and one of the women was sitting in the room with her blouse unbuttoned, and you could see everything. It was obvious obvious that she had not looked in the mirror. In fact, she hadn't even really looked down, I guess, because if she had looked in the mirror, she would have seen the problem and she would have immediately fixed it. But she didn't have any knowledge until I very quietly whispered to her, hey, your blouse is unbuttoned. But And she was so embarrassed. And once she gained the knowledge that her blouse was unbuttoned, she quickly buttoned it up. And she wondered how long she'd been walking around like that. But that's what God calls us to do when we see truth in his word. He wants us to fix the problem because James continues. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Y'all, doesn't that sound just like Psalm 1? that I read at the beginning of this podcast and whatever he does, he prospers. And of course, in James, this man will be blessed in what he does. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. See, God's desire is that we be the kind of people who look intently at the word of God, that we meditate on it day and night, that it's our delight and God shows us our problems, our sins, and then we go away making the changes God reveals to us. James says that it's this kind of person who will be blessed. And of course, James first calls it in this passage, the perfect law. And then he calls it the law of liberty. I mean, think about that for a second. Law, liberty. But you know what I have found out in my Christian life and what I know from the word of God is there is so much freedom in obedience. There is so much freedom in the Lord when we obey him. And see, the word of God is a mirror to our hearts. It reveals what's wrong there. It reveals who we really are. And sometimes it's very painful to see who's really living deep inside. But you know what? God doesn't lie to us. He doesn't lower the standard for us. God's word shows us exactly. Exactly who we are. And it's because of his love that he wants us to see who we are so that we can make the needed changes by his grace. You know, God's many time over many times over the course of my life has shown me exactly who I am, especially as I have been deep in his word and studying his word. I mean, whether it's my own personal times with him or whether it's preparing messages as I teach women um, from the word of God, I cannot tell you how much he has shown me exactly who I am and has revealed sins that I didn't even want to face, that I didn't even want to admit were true of me. 
And, you know, I love 1 Peter 2, verses 18 to 20. Well, I say I love it, but it really reveals who I really am. Listen, listen to these verses. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure that with patience, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. I mean, I think about that passage all the time. Well, I shouldn't say all the time, but so much because it's so applicable applicable to so many times in my life. And I remember once when God was piercing my heart with this passage, and I was in First Peter, I mean, I was studying it, and... I was having trouble with someone in my life who I felt like was being terribly unreasonable toward me. And in my human heart, I thought God would understand if I were unreasonable back to this person. But I could see from this passage and so many others like it that God was calling me to a higher standard. I mean, Jesus tells people, what credit is there if you you only do good to those who do good to you? Even the hypocrites do that. He wants us to pray for those who persecute us, to love those who are against us. That's what his word says. And in this passage in 1 Peter, he's saying, for this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, not the conscience towards that other person, but what is my conscience toward the Lord? Because God is saying in this passage that it finds favor for me, not only to endure with patience, but also to respect those who are mistreating me. That's what he says. And he says to bear up under that, even when suffering unjustly, even when it doesn't seem fair to me. Why? Because when I do what is right and I suffer for that, and I not only suffer, you know, for doing what is right, but I patiently endure it. God says that finds favor with him. And of course, you know, that's why he continues in this passage in verse 21. He says, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return while suffering. He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. I mean, think about that for a second. None of us have suffered, ever suffered like the Lord Jesus. Never. We, no one has suffered like him, but God still calls us to follow in his steps, to look at his life. And when I look at his life and I look at how he went to the cross in my behalf and he suffered terribly, um, just terribly, it raises the standard for me because if he lives inside of me, then he gives me the grace to walk through the sufferings I might face in this life or that I do face in this life. God uses his word to point out our sin and help us make all the changes we need to make in our lives. I love second Timothy chapter three, verse 16, when it says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I mean, think about what he's saying here. According to this verse, God tells us why he gave us his word. 
he says, number one, of course, it's inspired by God, but then, and then he tells us it's profitable for teaching, you know, so he gave it to us to teach us profitable for teaching, to reprove us for reproof, to correct us for correction, to train us in righteousness for training in righteousness. That's right from the verse. There's four things right there from that verse. And the reason he does this is, is, is so that we may be adequate and equipped for every good work. God wants to use us in this life. And so he wants to help us in this life, help us to understand his word better and so that we can be equipped for what he's called us to do. But without the knowledge of his word, how can we be adequate, equipped for every good work? We can't. How can we make the changes that need to be made in our lives? We can't. See, it's God's word that not only shows us where we fall short, but it shows us how to get back on track. And then God himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, helps us obey him. Now think about this for just a minute. You know, we can't obey what we don't know. And if we don't know God's word, how are we to obey it? How will we know how to love our husbands? How will we know how to love our children? And I'm talking about biblically speaking, not just following after the world. How will we know how to train them in righteousness? How will we know how to bring them up in the nurture of the, and the admonition of the Lord? How will we know how to be sensible? How will we know how to be pure? How about being a worker at home? How to be kind? How will we as women know how to submit to our husband the way the scripture tells us to and understanding what his word really says? How will we know our purpose as women? How will we know God's great love for us? How will we know God's thoughts and his heart toward us? I mean, think about it, y'all. We as women, we should be concerned about the effects that our culture has had on us. We should be concerned about the effects our culture has had on our girls as they are growing up. We should be concerned about the teenagers as they are growing up around us. And we should be concerned for women all around us who have no clue about God's plan and purpose for them. And we should be concerned about how so few of us, or it seems to be, really know God's word. You know, we won't be deceived as women if we have come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Timothy tells us this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, are we the kind of women who are like this? that we're captivated, we're weak, and we're weighed down with our own sins, and we're just led on by our impulses, and we're always learning, but we don't really come to a knowledge of the truth. We need to obey what we know. We need to learn the scriptures so that we will continue to grow. We don't want to be the kind of women who stop growing because we won't obey what we know. You know, Jesus spoke in parables to the multitudes, and after speaking to a great multitude on the beach, 
the scripture tells us this, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. I mean, Jesus is telling the disciples that they could know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven and that they belong to them. God was telling them he's granted knowledge to them, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And if you and I know Christ and they belong to us, and of course, Jesus is telling us and them, we can know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So again, bringing it back to me, I have to ask myself, do I know them? God tells me that I can know them. God will give me understanding. I mean, we can, you know, sometimes we will say, well, I just don't understand the word of God. We need to ask the word of God to, I mean, ask the Lord to give us understanding of the word of God, because God tells me in his word that he is intimate with the upright. He's intimate with those who obey him. How can I know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? How can I find intimacy with God? I find all of that through his word. But so, so often uh, over the course of my life, I have not disciplined myself to study and know the word of God, because here's the thing. I have learned this and I'm still learning this, that casual study produces a casual knowledge of God and thus a casual love for God. When I sense in my own life that I'm kind of casual toward the Lord, I know it's because I'm being casual in my approach to the word of God. And of course, you know, the amazing thing to me, you know, over the years is how many of us as women, myself included, can know so much about, you know, celebrities. We can know so much about decorating our homes and gardening, and we can know so much about fashion blogs and and how to style our clothing and what makeup is best for whatever age we are and, you know, how to put together a great outfit. We And I'm included in this. I know so much about so many temporal things. But here's the thing. Our heart should be drawn upward. Our heart should desire to know things like how Isaac and Rebecca met so we don't have to turn to the Word of God to share it with our daughters as they are growing up. Yes, we need to turn to the Word of God to show them from the authority of God's Word, but that we could tell them as we're in the car driving somewhere. You know, we need to know how many children Jacob had and the significance of that. You know, we need to to know the story of Ruth and Boaz and the details of that great love story. We need to know about Esther. We need to know about David and Jonathan and and how God called Samuel as a little boy. We need to know about the wisdom of Abigail. And we need to know about Rhoda, the little servant girl who recognized Peter and tried to tell the Christians that he was out of jail and they weren't believing her. We need to know who remained at the cross with Jesus. We need to know these things. The book The Word of God, this book, the Word of God does not need to be fuzzy in our thinking. We don't need to be the kind of women who are not sure about it. I mean, you know, I think it says somewhere in there. Listen, I say that. Sometimes I say, oh, it's somewhere in there. I don't know. I need to look it up. And it just reminds me, I need to study that. I need to learn that. I need to know what God's Word says so that everything that I do know is not just based on what someone else says about it, but what I've actually learned from the Word of God. Because I'm just like you. I know so much of this world's nonsense. I know so much of things that 
you know, that are not all that important. And I'm not saying there aren't plenty of things that we need to know about in this world. I mean, I love knowing about, you know, my favorite sports team. I, I love to know about, you know, people. I look up people sometimes when, you know, if they've died or, or if they're in the news, I want to know more about them. I do. But I want to know the scripture even better than that. I uh, remember one time, a long time ago, when I was talking with a young woman, who was raised her whole life in the church. She was there every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And when she was in college, she was totally involved with believers and goes to church and faithful to the Lord. But she didn't know anything about Lot because I remember mentioning something about that to her. And she said, well, who's that? And, you know, cause we were talking about the state of our world and, and I was telling her how it reminded me of the days of Lot. And please understand, I wasn't, aggravated with her in the least bit. It just God used that in my life to remind me how critically important it us it is for us to know the word of God, to see the world through the lenses of the word of God. So that's so important. I mean, scripture tells us that God's people perish because of the lack of knowledge where there is no vision. Hannah says in her song of Thanksgiving, after God heard her prayer and gave her a son, she said this, boast no more very proudly. So very proudly, do not let arrogance come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and with him actions are weighed. Proverbs ten fourteen says, wise men store up knowledge. Proverbs nine, verse nine says, give Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. He will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 10 verse 8 says the wise of heart will receive commands. Proverbs 24 5 says a wise man is strong and a man of knowledge increases power. Proverbs 1 says fools hate knowledge and Paul tells tells the Romans when he's speaking of his heart for the Jews' salvation. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, you hear what he's saying there, to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. I mean, here what he's saying there. I mean, people need the knowledge of God. We cannot subject ourselves to the righteousness of God if we do not know his word. And so that's what we should have a zeal for. We shouldn't have a zeal for God with knowledge. You know, we just need this in our, in our day. We need to, to know his word because God has given us his word. He wants us to know his word. And it's in that, in his book that we not only find correction and needed reproof, but we also find his heart for us. We find so much more. We find so much in his word. It's like a treasure trove. And, you know, earlier I said, every time I prepare to teach women, I'm always convicted because I realize how far short my own life falls in light of God's standards because he's holy. He's perfect. He sometimes seems to require impossible standards of me. He seems 
to require hard things of me. And yes, he does, but he fulfills all those things through God, the Holy Spirit that he's given me, that he gives us on the day of our salvation. God, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he helps us obey. You know, I remember one time when I was studying Second Timothy. And I came to the verses in chapter two, where Paul says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And I remember like holding, you know, taking my Bible and kind of holding it on my chest. And I was thinking, suffer hardship. A good soldier of Christ Jesus suffers hardship. Lord, I want to be a good soldier but I don't want to suffer hardship. You know, what does this mean? And from the scriptures, I, I, I understood, you know, it's like, you know, he says right here to, to me, to us, he, that he doesn't want us to entangle ourselves in the affairs of everyday life. And why doesn't he want us to do that? So that we might please him, you know, and, and I, I remember thinking like, well, what kind of, affairs am I entangling myself in that I shouldn't be? You know, I was a young mother with three babies at that time. And what kind of everyday affairs should I not entangle myself in if I wanted to be a good soldier of Christ? And I remember then God showing me that I just didn't need to be filling my life with television and movies, just filling them that that was that I didn't need to be wasting so much time on those kinds of things. Not that I couldn't watch a good television show or a good movie now and then, but I didn't need to be entangled in those things. And I certainly didn't need to be watching and filling my mind and heart with things that brought dishonor to the word of God. I remember thinking that there was music I didn't need to listen to anymore, that I didn't need to be entangled because they took me places I didn't need to go. And, and I just remember that. I remember, um, you know, thinking that it was hard sometimes because I was surrounded by a lot of believers who were entangling their, in, themselves with things that God had clearly shown me that I didn't need to be entangling myself with. with. And I don't know, it just made, God's word just became more real to me that sometimes even in some simple decisions like that, there's a sense of suffering hardship on a, obviously on a lower level than persecution in a great way. But I do remember at the time thinking that there were choices that we were making about our lives, about our children that were difficult to make that went against what a lot of our friends were doing. But I wanted to make whatever decisions I needed to make to be a good soldier of Christ. And then then the next verse in that passage says, consider what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You know, sometimes we read and we study and we hear the word of God and we obey it, obey it. And then we find out it's hard to obey it. And we say, Lord, I don't understand, but I didn't want that to stop me. Because God says he gives us understanding in everything. And how can he do that if we don't read, study, listen to, and apply the word of God even when it is hard? Even when it's hard. Remember uh, Paul's heart from Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. He says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? How shall they preach 
unless they are sent. And then dropping down to verse 17, he says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, the word of Christ. And so I have to always ask myself, do I know the words of Christ? Do I know his words? And I want to tell you the that the importance that I place on God's word has a direct effect on my life. The importance I place on God's word reveals how much I want to know God. The importance I place on God's word reveals how much I love God. And it always is, God always reminds me that one of the main reasons he has given us his word is so that we can have intimacy with him and through his son, Jesus Christ, because it's in the Bible where we find him. And my greatest need is to know him. And how can I know him if I do not know his word? I want to know him. I want to know him even at this stage in my life more and more and more. I don't want to look in so many other places. Again, obey what you know. And sometimes you know, I think I need, I'm not obeying God because I'm not learning more and more of him, you know, um, uh, but I want to remind, I always remind myself of this. And I want to remind you as you're listening to this, that you on your own, you cannot be obedient on my own. I cannot be obedient on my own. I cannot keep the laws of God on your own. You cannot keep the laws of God because we are by nature disobedient, unrighteous. We do not do what is right. We are on our own rebellious. We are independent. We are stubborn. We are self-serving. We are self-seeking on our own. We are powerless to meet the standard of a perfect and holy God. We fall so short, just, just like Romans three twenty three tells us for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. So how is it that we can obey God as he requires? And of course, that's just the good news of the word of God. The Bible tells us that our acceptance before God is not based on our perfection or on our ability to keep the laws of God. It's not. Our acceptance before God is based on his mercy. I love the verse in Titus when the scripture says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possessions, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending 
our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Y'all, he saves us according to his mercy. It is only through the blood of Jesus that we can be cleansed from all of our sin. Jesus died to pay our sin debt. It's not by our works. It's not on the basis of the deeds that we have done in our self-righteousness. It's according to his mercy. And God then raised Jesus Christ on the third day according to the scripture so that we could be reconciled to a holy God. I mean, it's so, that's what God's telling us in his word. And here's the thing, you know, I just, this, these words from his word reminds me so much of, of his, of just what he's done for me personally, what he has done for me personally, you know, because here's the thing, God has left us a letter and it's called the Bible and his letter is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. His letter contains everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And if we meditate on it day and night, we will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in my season, in your season. Our leaves will not wither and in whatever we do, we will prosper. His letter contains the words of eternal life. You know, in John chapter six, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, in fact, he was speaking to many disciples in that passage. And there were many people who were called disciples. And the word disciple just means a follower, a learner. And as Jesus taught, there were many of these learners who were just curious. They came and they listened and they heard. But when Jesus made difficult statements, some of them said to him and and said, to each other. This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? Who can listen to it? And Jesus heard them grumbling. And when he heard them grumbling, he told them that some of them would not believe. And there are people just like that today. They visit good Bible teaching churches. They hear the words of God, but then they say, you know, this is difficult to hear. God's word is difficult to hear. Who can listen to it? And maybe they go off and they try to change it and twist it and make it say things it doesn't, that it doesn't mean. Because that's our day. That's our day. It's like God's word, plain and simple, is difficult to hear in the day in which we live. And lots of people say, who can listen to, who can listen to it? And of course, John tells us in this passage that as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. I mean, I mean, that's exactly what's happening today. So many people say they are deconstructing. They call themselves ex-evangelicals. I mean, it's a terrible thing because they're hearing the hard teachings of Jesus, the hard teachings of the word of God, and they withdraw and they're not going to walk with him anymore. And they don't claim him anymore. And they say they're not Christians anymore. But then Jesus The scripture says, Jesus said, therefore, to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so I want to ask you, to those of you who are listening to this podcast, and I ask myself this, to whom will you go? Where are we going to go? You know, as we look around this world, I can plainly see that there is nowhere else to go. Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. We find the words of eternal life in his book called the Bible. And it, it is as relevant for us today as it ever has been. And we need to know it. And as we come to know his word, we need to obey his word. We need to learn his word and then obey it. Have you believed And have you come to know that he is the Holy One of God? Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. I love that verse. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in his season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. I want to be that type of woman I want to meditate on the word of God. I want to delight in the word of God. I want to know his word and I want to obey his word. I want to be one of those who loves him with my whole heart, who learns his commandments so that I can obey them and so that he will continue to show himself to me as I live in this fallen world. He who has my commandments and obeys them. He is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will disclose myself to him. Father, I thank you for this time with these women who listen to the Rare But Real podcast. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that you have given us your precious and magnificent promises. And I pray that we would be women of the word who will grow in the knowledge of the word. In Jesus' name, If you enjoyed this episode of Rare But Real, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And share this podcast with friends. Follow Audrey on Instagram and Facebook at Mothering from the Heart. And listen to all her messages on the Search the Scriptures app.